Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing good? You doing good today? Come on. Let's give it up for Jesus this morning. He is the reason that we have breath today. Come on. It is good. If you, if you shouldn't be here, come on, give him some praise right now. If you, if you know you shouldn't be here, like, like you made it this far, like you've been through some stuff. Anybody been through some stuff in this room? Come on. God's been faithful to you. I'm so thankful that every day I look out and I say, God, I shouldn't have made it this far, but you protected me and chased me down. And his grace is audacious and scandalous. And I'm so thankful for the story of his love. We are going to go jump right into the word. I'm going to finish a series today. And then next week, um, I'm going to do a Q and a with my wife. And so we're going to wrap up, uh, we're in a, in a series called dearly beloved. And so we've been looking at marriage and relationships last week. We had the sex talk. Um, and so that was a strong talk. Hopefully you got uh, that. I've heard a lot of stories about people being helped throughout the country, really listening online. And, uh, I've talked about, um, really conflict is what we were going to look at this week. And so uh, it's, it, it's needed in relationships. I'm going to really hone in on marriage, but also uh, I really want to look at all relationships. The things I'm going to share today really relate to all relationships. And so if you are married and uh, you're not signed up for EXO Conference and you're going to be in town, do everything you can to get there. It's almost full. And I'm telling you, it'll help your marriage if you're dating or you're, or you're wanting to get married someday. Come on, anybody wanting to get married? Come on, put your hands up right now if you want to get married. Everybody look around right now. Look at the hands. See how they look. See if they're attractive. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do somebody, oh, you're married. <laughs> I just saw somebody raise their hand that's already married. Because you're, you're <laughs> I love you so much. I love them. And, uh, and so you need to be at EXO Marriage Conference. And, um, but we, uh, we really, I've been listening to and, and, and looking at a lot of the content. And it really, it's already changing my heart and my life. And so I would, would encourage you to be there. And then um, you can send some questions in. So like I said, next week, my wife and I are going to do a little Q&A together. We're going to be up here on, on the platform. Come on, give my wife a hand. She's like, she's amazing. Love you, sweetie. 21 years of marriage. So we've been going 21 years strong. Just had our anniversary. And um, she said, please, you, you know, you have to screen all the questions through, through me. I'm not going to answer any next week. We, you know, we, I'm not going to embarrass her. She's like, please don't embarrass me, dear God. I don't want to be embarrassed on the spot. Uh, she's already embarrassed enough during uh, my preaching sometimes. And so send your questions in. You can text them in. Uh, don't embarrass my wife because we won't answer those questions. But um, send questions in really that you want to know about just marriage and, and, and life. And maybe this, maybe this series has kind of sparked a thought in your heart or how do I get through this or how do I deal with that? We'd love to take those questions and just have fun and talk about it. So we are going to jump into the Word today. We've been looking at the Song of Solomon. It's a book about, uh, it's really a love-making manual. The Song of Solomon. It's a very erotic book, very sensual book. Um, it's a book not just on lovemaking, though. It's also a book on conflict and relationships and, 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 and Christ and his bride and, and really reconciliation. There's a lot of topics, and we've, we've looked at several types of love. Uh, the first type of love we looked at uh, was eros love. That's passionate love, you know, kind of attraction love, that chemistry love. And I just want to say, um, you, you know, if you're expecting your marriage to be that every day, you're in for, for a, a letdown. Like, like it's not like you're not, you're not every day is like, you're not like, whoa, I can't wait to get home. Yeah. Just ah, fire. You know, it's not every day. 
There's a, there's a lot of mundane in marriage. Does that make sense? And so, and so you have to be ready for that kind of expectation. And eros love, you cannot build a relationship on that. It, it comes and goes. It's chemistry. Obviously, God gives us that type of, uh, of attraction, which is good. You need that, but you can't build on it. And the second type of love is phileia. Or, um, and that, that type of love is brotherly love or friendship type love. Um, oh, look at the baby. Oh, it's such a cute little baby. But then they become teenagers and they smell and they don't shower much. Right. And so and so you can't you can't just build on friendship love because it comes and goes. It changes with seasons. Does that make sense? And so friendship love, you need that. But you can't build something mature on that. And then the third type of love we've talked about, and this is the God type of love. It's agape, uh, agapeo or agape love. And it's a verb. It's an action verb. And, and really, can I just say this? It has nothing to do with feelings. It has nothing to do with your emotions. It, it has everything to do with the word agape, which is actually in the English where we get our word agony. It has everything to do with commitment and self-sacrifice and and, 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 and putting yourself last and preferring someone else. And it has everything to do with giving this kind of sacrificial love when it hurts, when you're committed. And, and the Bible says a faithful man, he, he, he swears by his own hurt. Love is, love is painful. <laughs> and so that's the God type of love that we really can build something mature on. And here's the encouraging thing that you and I need to know. If you've lost that loving feeling, come on. <laughs> that was bad. Um, you can get it back without having to feel it. So, so, so just because, so the encouraging thing is if real love is built on agape, then you can get back your marriage. You can get back your relationship even when you don't feel it. Because, because feelings follow commitment. We, we want, our, we want our, our feelings to lead first and then we'll commit once we feel something. No, 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 no. Feelings follow commitment. Feelings follow faith. And so as we put our faith in, we're going to begin to commit. I'm going to look at uh, chapter five, uh, some, some verses around the conflict that they get into. Um, the Song of Solomon, two chapters are around conflict. Uh, out of eight chapters, 25% are around conflict. Come on. How many know that there's going to be some conflict in our relationships? And so what's happening here in chapter five, um, she's either having a dream, she's talking, and she's either having a dream or she's recounting a situation that took place in their life. She's laying on her bed and she's recounting some things that are happening and in this scenario. And she's very anxious and they've had conflict. They are not newlyweds any longer. And so they're through that stage. And this is what it says in verse two through six. She says, I sleep but my heart is awake. So some theologians, some scholars believe that she's actually having a dream. I sleep, but my heart is awake. Some believe she's just recounting a situation. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is covered with dew, my locks with drops of night. So he's, he's out in the cold. So in those days, if you understand, the bride would have her chambers and the groom would have his chambers and there was like a courtyard in between. And so when they wanted to make love, someone would go to someone else's chambers. And so they, they would cross the, the courtyard. And so he's out here going to make love to his wife and, and he's crossing the courtyard and he's out in the dew. And he says, uh, my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. And then she says this, she comes back with a little bit of an attitude. <laughs> I've taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I've got a headache. <laughs> I've washed my feet. <laughs> How can I defile them again? So she comes up with these silly excuses. She's, she's actually grown cold to the advances of her lover. 
She's actually feeling like, you know, I, I'm not in the mood. I don't, and she's just kind of taken for granted some, because they've had some kind of conflict. And then all of a sudden he says this, my beloved, she says, my beloved put his hand by the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. So the, the way the door was set up is like, you'd put your hand through the door and then unlatch it. And it was locked for some reason. She'd had it locked. And so she, she says, I arose to open for my beloved. So I got up to get the door and my hands dripped with myrrh and my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. So basically he had had some cologne on. Come on, somebody. He had spruced up for the night. He had some smell good on. And, and when, and, and there was a, in those days you would leave your scent. You would, come on. Y'all remember opening up those letters and putting a little cologne or a little perfume in it. Come on. And so, so he was leaving his scent on the door and, and then she was excited and she opened the door. It says, I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. He's like, I'm out. Forget it then. My heart leaped when he spoke. I sought him, but could not find him. I called, but he gave me no answer. And so literally here's, she has this change of heart. There's been this conflict. She gets up to open the door and he's like, well, forget it. And he kind of goes silent treatment on her. And so, so the rest of the chapters five through eight are really uh, talking about adjustments in marriage and adjustments in sexuality and adjustments in dealing with conflict. And so I want to really look at dealing with conflict today because there's nothing worse than losing the presence of your lover. There's nothing worse than losing the presence of the one that you've given your life to. Come on, whether it's Jesus, whether it's our relationship with God, losing that presence in our life or losing the presence of our spouse or the ones that we love, there's nothing worse than losing their presence. You ever, you ever uh, been at home and everybody was, you, you kind of came up from a nap or you walked out and you thought everybody was supposed to be there and everybody's gone. You're like, man, they got raptured. <laughs> like I'm the only unsaved one in the house. I thought I was a Christian, you know, like, where are they? Or, or there's been times even in my life where, where I was texting my wife and I thought she would be home and it was extra time and she wasn't home and it took a long time for her to get home and I'm texting and there's no answer. And then you know how the enemy starts putting those fears on your heart and on your mind. And I'm like, man, what happened? What happened? And I start to have this fear that I've lost the presence of my wife. There was an accident or something happened. It doesn't, it doesn't happen all the time. I don't walk around in fear, but like sometimes there's situations. And then when they come back home, you're like, thank God you didn't leave me. Oh, thank God. You know, or thank God there wasn't an accident or thank, you know, and you begin to, you begin to appreciate them so much more. Has anybody ever had those moments in their life? I know for me, I've had that. And so what I want to do is I want to help us deal with conflict today. So we don't lose the presence of the ones that are closest to us, that we don't lose the presence of those that we love. So Colossians 3.15, I got a, a lot of things to give you today, some very practical. So uh, you can listen fast, take notes, and um, you can go back and listen to it, obviously, online if you need to. Colossians 3.15, an amazing verse here. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. Can I just say something? As, as God continues to do his work in our church and what he's doing, obviously you can look around. God's reaching people, changing lives, doing miracles. God's going to try to do everything he can. The enemy's going to try to do everything he can to, to keep us in disunity. He's going to do everything he can to whisper and to disunify and to, and to try to divide because God's doing something. We're going into a marriage conference next week. You think Satan is, is happy that we're getting ready to go lay a foundation for marriages in our city? Man, come on. We got to pray for each other. We got to believe God. We got to stay in step. It says this. It says that let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. I love how it says cultivate thankfulness. It means it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. We, we got to cultivate an atmosphere and an attitude of thankfulness with those that we love and those that we're around. Let the word of Christ, the message, have run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Come on, Jesus. Let, let, 
have the run of this house, have the run of our homes, have the run of our families, let the message of reconciliation. And when when you think about this, listen to me, resolution has a tendency to kill reconciliation. When you decide to be so resolute in your point of view and so resolute that you're right and so resolute, this message is totally saying, no, 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 let's fight for reconciliation, not just to be resolute in our situations. Does that make sense? Title for today is very simple. Stay in tune. Stay in tune. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to stay in tune. Help us to stay in step. Help marriages today know how to have conflict. Help me, help us, help, help our families, help our children to be in homes that, that do conflict well. Help us to have relationships as Christians that do conflict well. Lord, help our church to, to be on the foundation, Lord, and to be built strong. And Lord, let the, let the weak say they are strong today. Lord, I pray that, Lord, as we take in your word today, the weak could say, I'm strong in my marriage. I'm strong in my mind. I'm strong in this next season of my life. Lord, you you told us to say, let the weak say we are strong. Lord, we just declare we're strong today in you. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen? Uh, Stay in tune. Stay in tune. That we'd stay in tune with each other. It takes takes work. Years ago uh, in college, we had a, a singing competition. Can I just tell you, I cannot sing. I, I cannot keep tune. I cannot keep tune. I I I I just I, I will sing loud. Literally, when I sing loud from this front row, I am nervous that I'm messing up the band. I'm like they can hear me, and it's bad, right? In college, we had this this hundred man singing competition. It was like this giant choir. It was a hundred of us guys, and there were and all the sororities judged it. And and, and the the president of my fraternity, he was all he was a master's degree in the music department. So we were it was serious, like right. And we have the different parts and all that. And literally, and so we do the whole competition. We won that year. Come on, we beat Sigma Chi. Yes, awesome. And so and so you know it was a big competition. I mean, how how rowdy can you get with a singing competition with guys? You know what I'm saying? And, and so like we're we're all in the bleachers, and we're, there's a hundred of us and and we're singing. And afterward, they filmed it, and, they're, and we're going back and watching the video of it. And as we watch the video of it, I'm with some other buddies, and the, and the president of, the, of, of my, the fraternity's there, and we're listening. And literally, out of 100, I'm listening. I'm like, oh, my God. That's my voice. <laughs> like, like, you're not supposed to hear yourself out of 100 people singing in choir. Okay. You're not, you're not supposed to be able to pick yourself out. I was so out of tune. You could hear it in the video and it was so embarrassing. I'm like that. Is, and, and Jason's just looking at me. He's like, dude, you, you don't ever, they didn't, I was exempt from the rest of the competitions for, for the rest of my, my time in college. And so well, here's the thing. Are you the one that everyone else can hear out of a hundred? In your relationships, are you the one that is the loudest and, and the one that has to be heard and the one that has to be right? Are you the one that, if you watch the video of it, is it, is it do you have a tendency to, to kill reconciliation because you're resolute with your voice and you're resolute with your standards and you're resolute in your opinions? Come on, I think sometimes we're supposed to be in tune with each other, but we have this voice that we're wanting to kill reconciliation with because we think that it's our way and we don't want to cultivate certain things where God's saying to stay in tune with each other. I can't tune a guitar by myself, but these guitars right here, I started research tuning a guitar. Really, when you look at this guitar, to, to, to tune this, I've said, if I buy a guitar, I looked it up on Google, if I buy a guitar, do I need a tuner? It said, you have to have a tuner. Like, this is actually what it said. It says, I said, do I need a tuner if I buy a guitar? Unequivocally, yes. If you're going to play the guitar, you must have a tuner. <laughs> there really is no way around it. And if you bought your guitar without getting a tuner, well, 
you'll find out very quickly that you're dead in the water. (laughs) Here's the reality. Like we have these marriages and relationships. And if we don't have a tuner, you can't tune yourself. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the word of God. We need God's standard. We need God's, we need God's opinion. We need Holy Spirit to come in from the outside and begin to tune my heart and to tune her heart and to to work some things out in our life. And and the reality is tuning. How often do you have to tune? Every time you play. If you're a guitar, any guitar people in here, any stringed instrument people, if you play, you know, every time you play, you have to tune it because just playing it gets it out of tune. And so a lot of times with our marriages, we think, you know, well, we can go and get a tune up once a year. I don't need counseling or I don't need, listen, I go to counseling just for a tune up. We go to counseling just for tune-up, just to, just to get, the, just to get it ourselves in tune. And the reality is, when you to tune this guitar, really what you have to do is begin to work with the tension on the strings. So all, all tuning is, is, is appropriately handling the tension. So, so no tension, no music, too much tension, everything snaps. But we have to learn in our relationships how to handle tension, how to stay in step. You can write this down. It should be on the screen. You have to experience tension to stay in tune. And a lot of times, none of us want tension. We don't, we don't want conflict. We, don't, we want to run from it. We don't like tension. We, the Bible says to stay in step. My wife and I, sometimes we go on walks. When we're getting along, we, we stay in step. When we're not in a good mood and we're not... We're not talking well, I'm, I'm walking way out here. She's way back. She's like, I can't keep up. I'm like, that's fine. Hurry. Get them short legs. Come on, girl. We're out here for exercise. Not to talk, you know, it's not, but when we're right in our heart, you know, even if I want to jog or get exercise, I'll just, I'll just high knee it right there by her. She's walking and we're, we're in step. We're walking together. And so God's saying to us with our relationships, to me, to you, that we've got to work at cultivating, staying in tune. And it's a constant. I wrote stay in tune because it's constant. Every time, every day, God's plan is for our marriages to stay in tune. You can write this down. It won't be on the screen. Conflict can produce deep connection. That's really God's design to get us to a deeper relationship. Many of us run from conflict, but it's the reality. It's a good thing because it's the path to connection. And so I want us to know how to do conflict well. It's messy. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. That's why we run from it. That's why we don't want to handle stuff. But the reality is that you can actually grow deeper in your relationship if you'll do it well. Here's three rounds of a relationship I'm going to give you. And then I'm going to put this boxing glove on in a minute. And uh, here's three rounds of relationship. Number one, the unrealistic round. I talked about it already. You get, you're dating. You get married. It's your wedding day. Unrealistic round. It lasts about three months, maybe a year. Unrealistic. We're just going to complete each other's sentences. We're just alike. We love everything that each other likes. Come on. We're, we're everything. I'm a, we, we are in tune. We're going to be in tune every day of our life. Unrealistic, right? I mean, the wedding day, the wedding day is the fakest day of your life. You're in rented clothes. You don't even know your own clothes on that day. <laughs> you got 300 people invited, of which 280 you don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a real, it's not realistic, right? And so, so you have this wedding day, but then you move from that day into a reality round. And so now you begin to see the real person. You begin to see all their thoughts and their feelings and their opinions. They don't hide that stuff anymore. And now you're like, oh my God, reality's setting in. And then you begin to try to change your reality. And that's when conflict starts because people don't change a whole lot. And then you realize the bigger reality is I got what I got. 
And Holy Spirit can work on them instead of you working on them. And in the reality of God's kingdom, Holy Spirit can do this work. And then you move from that reality round to the maturity round where you begin to decide, you know what? I, I realize that I'm relating to an imperfect person just like me. I'm imperfect. They're imperfect. That we need commitment and we need love. We've got faults and flaws and that we're human beings. And we're going to try to you know, look to God, not to each other, to meet every single need. And we're going to connect but it's going to take work and commitment and some conflict. Is this helping anybody? The maturity round. Commitment produces these feelings. And so, so here's how to fight fair. I'm going to give you about three thoughts on fighting fair and some different fighting styles. The first thought you need to write down to fight fair is stay in the ring. Stay in the ring. Stay in the ring. If somebody in here is thinking about divorce today, come see me. Set an appointment up with me. I'd love to talk with you. You might have 50 pastors willing to do that, but I'm one that will, so I'd love to meet with you. If you're thinking about separating or divorcing, stay in the ring. 90% of maturity in marriage is just staying in the fight, just staying in the conflict, just staying in the ring together and, and dealing with stuff. So here's five types of fighters. The first type of fighter is the rope-a-dope fighter. And so if you, I do boxing and mixed martial arts, so I'm going to give you all this, this example today. But so the rope-a-dope fighter is the person, is the no way. I call it no way. They're, they are not going to engage. They, at all costs, they are going to dance around the ring. They're going to stay on the ropes. They're, gonna, they're just going to rope-a-dope. They're not, not engaging. A lot of husbands are like, I'm not going to get into it. I'm, not, I'm just going to stay out of it. Like, I'm not, yes, yes, whatever you say. Okay, and you just, you just stay out of it. No way I'm engaging in that. And, and so wives can do that as well. And, and, and so what I do a lot of times, I, this is one of my ways. Like I will talk until she's exhausted. <laughs> I do that for a living. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I'm tired already. <laughs> I, I, will I will talk in circles and kind of fight in circles and, and come up with arguments why, why her point isn't effective or isn't valid. And then she feels invalidated and dismissed. And then what she does and she's like, fine. You know, fine, she's got something. And so she can shut down because I, I haven't engaged, right? So I always want to blame her for shutting down. But the reality is I didn't engage. When you're not willing to engage, what you're telling that person, it, a lot of times when, when you have a no-way fighter, the other person escalates. And the reason they're escalating, and you're blaming them because they're escalating, but you're not engaging. And the reason they're escalating is, is because they're saying, aren't I worth the fight? Aren't I worth your, your emotions and your effect? Aren't I worth the battle? And when you won't engage, you're actually devaluing them, saying they're not even worth the fight. They're not even worth trying to fight for. So that's the first one is the, the no way fighter. The second one is the knockout artist, the my way. So you have the no way, and then you got the my way. And in boxing, sometimes uh, we'll have these young, immature fighters come into the, into the, into the gym. And uh, the first night they're there, they just all they're just going to prove themselves. They're bad. Like, you know, you're like, you could see it in their eye. Like, dude, don't do this. You know, coming in the ring, they have no experience and they're just, they don't know what else to do. So they're just like, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're just trying to, you know, just spar a little bit. It's just like, you know, okay. And they're just, <laughs> you know, some, some of y'all, that's how you do conflict in your marriages. It's like, it's, it's my way. I will knock you out. I will win. I will, I will come off the third ring with a chair and blast you in the head. And so you're thinking about every way that you can, you can win. It, this is one of the most dangerous and messy ways to live. My way, my way, my way. I'm going to be resolute on my point, and it's what I want. And so the reality is that many people get hurt in that. Mark 3, 25, Jesus says this. He says, if a family divides itself into groups which fight each other, that family will fall apart. A family divided and fighting is going to fall apart. 
It doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't deal with stuff, but you're not trying to knock each other out. And then you have the take the fall fighter. This is your way. So then you have no way, you have my way, then you have your way. Take the fall. You ever seen those rigged fights where somebody just, you know, one round, they get hit and they just go, you're like, you didn't even get hit. And it's a lot of times people are scared to get hit. I've seen it. And so you could just barely, you know, brush them and they're just on the ground. They're like, I'm done. Take the fall. Some of you in your marriages, you just give in every time. You just give in, give in. And you actually think it's godly to give in. You think, well, whatever you want, whatever your way is, and you just, you just throw in the towel early, it's fine. And you, just at, at peace at all costs, I just need peace. Whatever you want, dear, whatever you say, and you just give in, and you just give in. And the reality is that's just appeasement. That's not peace. And it's very, 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 very dangerous because every time you give in, you take in bitterness. Every time you give in, you take in offense. Every time you give in and you're not willing to fight, you're taking something in. And a lot of Christians think that's the godly thing to do. Just give in. And a lot of men have misused and abused the Bible, uh, manipulating scripture just to make their wives give in. And so then you see a lot of wives that have taken in bitterness. We talked about it last week. A lot of wives carry bitterness into the bedroom because they haven't been able to have a voice or actually have conflict and fight healthily and settle issues, right? And so it's all under the, under the surface. And so every time, I just want to encourage some of you, listen, it's dangerous. Don't just give in. Like It's going to be a little messy. It's going to be a little bit tough, but you have to work together so that you don't eventually explode because you've just given in over and over and over and over and over. Does that make sense? That's why you watch 2020 and like the neighbors like, you know, on a murder killing, you know, spouse murder story. And they're like, they were so nice. They were always so calm and you would have never seen it coming until she poisoned him in his sleep and chopped him up into little pieces and put him in a garbage bag. You know, we didn't see it coming. Like what happened? They, they were given fighters. They were your way fighters. And over and over and over, they just took in bitterness and took in pain and took in offense until it exploded. The fourth type of fighter is the one, two puncher. I call it the halfway. So you've got no way, my way. Your way, halfway. So halfway, if we're, if we're punching and, and in training, they used to teach us to punch and it's called a, a one-two, right? One is the jab, two is the hook or the cross. So one-two, one-two. Well, in that fight, a lot of times you'd have someone doing that with you and they're, you're, you're learning and, you're, and I'm going one-two. Another person's going one-two and you're going one-two and they're going one-two. It's so unrealistic. That's not a real fight. Like that's all you know, just robotic, right? And so the, the, the one-two type fighter is this. It out is like, okay, well, you get your way half the time, I get my way half the time. This is better than the other ones, but it's like, okay, you, we're gonna compromise. Okay, you get your way this time, one-two. Next time, I get my way, one-two. Okay, what? And so you compromise, but a lot of times compromise leads to um, con- just the wrong type of conflict where you haven't really figured out the, the healthy way, which is, I call it the sparring fighter, and that's really our way. So the, 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 the one-two or the halfway is better than the others, but the, ultimately you want to get to sparring, right? Listen to me, this is our way. So sparring is literally this. It's a real fight. We, we're not trying to kill each other. We're not trying to, we're trying to learn. We're actually boxing. We're getting hit. We're, we're feeling punches. 
No one's trying to escalate. No one's trying to take someone's head off. No one's trying to just stay out of the way. We're actually learning from engaging in a healthy conflict. Does that make sense? And so if you're, if you're going to learn to fight, you ha- it's going to be messy. It doesn't mean you're not going to be angry. It doesn't mean, come on, in sparring, if I get hit a little bit, I, I get angry. Here's what I have to learn and control because I've sparred with someone that can kill me, right? So listen to me. So when, he, when, when, he, when I begin to spar and I know he can kill me, I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll hit him or I'll, I'll begin to escalate my, my um, momentum or if I'll take, escalate my percentage. And so, yeah, I start, you know, you get in it. Sam knows you're a Marine, dude. You've sparred and you've worked this kind of stuff. So if we start fighting and sparring, everything's cool until somebody gets hit. And then when you get hit a little bit, you have a choice to regulate your emotions and to figure out when that hurt, that was, but I have to know that they weren't trying to really hurt me. We're trying to learn and grow and, and spar. But, but what I would do sometimes is when I get hit, I would escalate, go from 20% to 50%, go from 50% to 60. And the guy that I spar with, he goes, and he's a professional, he goes, I'm going to match whatever you, ma- whatever you do. If you go 50, I'm going 50. I'm like, dude, your 50 can kill me though. <laughs> My 50 can't kill you, you know? And, and so... So we have to learn to not to, to regulate and not just try to take each other out. I hope this is helping somebody today that we begin to, to talk and learn. It's a little messy. It can be heated, but we, we control ourselves. So number one, stay in the ring. Number two, very important, establish ground rules for a fair fight. Establish ground rules for a fair fight. James 4.1 says this, what starts wars and fights among you? Is it not because you want many things and are fighting to have them? So literally, selfishness is the root of all conflict. So selfishness, that you, that you want things, you want many things, and it's a selfishness that's the root of many of these desires and needs. I'm not saying that the needs and desires are ultimately bad, but when you begin to want to fight someone to get them, now selfishness is competing, and, you, and you're, you're willing to do all types of stuff to get it. So I think sometimes the, the biggest fight Sandra and I have had have been over some of the selfishest things in my life. I'm not going to speak for her. I, you know, everybody's like, well, is she perfect? No, well, yes, in Jesus' name. For, for me, like most of the fights in our life have been over selfish things in my life. You know, you get, you get married, like the three months of your dating relationship, whatever, you're like, I don't care what we do as long as we're together. Like two years in, you're like, why we got to do this every time we hang out? You know, this is terrible. It's like things change, right? So, so fight fair. Put some ground rules in. James says this, uh, 126. This is talking about the mouth. If you claim to be religious but do not control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. When, when fighters fight, they put in mouthpieces. I used to think mouthpieces were to protect the teeth. They're not to protect the teeth. They're actually to protect the nerve that runs down your jaw that if it gets hit, it knocks you out cold. So you put a mouthpiece in and you can clench down on that mouthpiece. So if you do get hit in the face, it doesn't knock you out. It's protection against getting knocked out. James says, guard your tongue. It's the protection against getting knocked out. Train your tongue not to try to knock each other out train your tongue. And you can read the Bible. You can memorize the Bible. You can come to church. You can have every verse in the Bible memorized. But if you can't teach your tongue to not try to hurt those that you're around, then you are, your religion is worthless. It literally says you're immature. I need, I need help in that. I don't, does anybody else need help in that area with the tongue? Come on. I, the Bible says no man can tame the tongue. So every one of us in here literally needs help with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can tame the tongue. So, so here's some ground rules. Number one, don't attack. Stop attacking each other. Learn how to attack the issue without attacking the person. Stop attacking. 
When you attack, it's where most people get stuck and where they live. And this is what attacking looks like. You did this. You always. Attacking starts with you statements. I'm going to help your marriage and relationship right now. You, you did, you did. I'm working on some of this stuff myself, so I'm going to put myself in the, in, in the boat. You, you, you. You start with attacking statements. Literally, when you do that, nothing, it doesn't go anywhere, and you just begin to fight each other, and there's no reconciliation. Here's what not attacking each other looks like, but attacking the issue. You ready? Start with I statements. I felt hurt when you did this. It's still, still an issue. I felt disrespected. I felt belittled. I felt insecure. I felt fearful. Hey, this is what I'm going through right now in this situation as we begin to fight, as we begin to talk or have conflict. I felt when you did this, this happened. Doesn't mean you're not angry. Doesn't mean your voice doesn't rise a little bit. Doesn't mean you're not heated a little bit. Come on. Fighting and conflict is messy no matter what. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to all come out perfect. But you're, you, you start with you. And, and literally, if you start with you, you're getting to the under the issue of the problem. You're not just going, you did, you did, you did. You're, you're starting to go, you know what? I felt... This way, when this happened, I felt a little bit lonely when you didn't come home for three days. <laughs> I, I felt a little bit hurt when you forgot Valentine's Day and listened to me when I said I didn't want anything. <laughs> you shouldn't have listened to me. <laughs> I, I felt, you know, just... What you're doing is you're automatically setting up grounds where you're already opening yourself up. So you're working on reconciliation instead of resolution, right? You're, you're not trying to attack this, this problem on the surface. You're actually going underneath. You're opening up your own life, and now you've built some connections. So don't attack each other. Attack, attack the issue, and you got to get down into your soul and go, okay, what is it I'm feeling? Most guys don't know how to deal with their feelings, and so we don't know how to say, I'm feeling this way. It's easy to go to anger. But let me just say something to you, men and women, if you're going right to anger, you've skipped over a lot of other emotions that you need to identify and go, you know what, I felt, you know, the other day I felt angry about something and, and, and literally I was with my counselor, I'm just be open, I was with my counselor, I was like, I felt angry about this. And, he's, and he has this little list of emotions and he pulled out these emotions and, and he said, what, what emotion stands out to you that you, that he goes, yeah, anger is simple, that's easy, everybody goes to anger. What emotion stood out to you? And I was like, man, I don't know. I was like, Shame? He was like, no, shame means you did something that like you're shamed about in your, of your, that you did personally. That's not shame. He said, fear. He goes, you were, you were fearful. And I was like, that's right, I was. You know, I didn't know how to identify that, but the reality is a lot of times we will have fear of something and, and we, it's easy to jump to anger. So you just need to slow down. David said, I've weaned my soul like a child. Like, he called his soul a child, like literally like a child from a nursing mom. You need to slow down with your soul enough and identify. He says, I've quieted my soul. Like we need to quiet our souls enough when we have conflict to go, what is this that I'm actually, our world is so busy and so fast and so, so uh, you know, technologically and we're on our, we're not listening to each other. We're not talking. We don't even have time to hear our own souls. Got to slow down and go, what is my soul dealing with? How can I deal with this so that I can open up and have real resolute conflict with my spouse or my friends or those that are around me? Number two, don't compare. So number one, don't attack. Number two, don't compare. Don't, listen, you're just like her. You're just like him. You're just like your mom. You're just like your dad. Never, never stop doing that. One time in 21 years, I said, you like your mama. One time. 
I still limp it today. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't even say it that like that. I didn't say like, you're like your mama. That's way, that's even way further. That's like, you might be, you know, it's a little bit of a, it could be, you know, never don't do that. Number three, don't act super spiritual. Oh God. Well, I see right now that one of us is angry. I see that the word of God in Romans seven twelve says, be angry and sin not. Lord, give us grace because she needs it right now. Thank God you haven't made me like her, a sinner. Man, get your Bible out of your conflicts. Study the Bible before the battle. Study the Bible for you, not for her. For you, not for him. And if you're yanking out the big old Bible in the battle, man, you are trying to use it as a weapon and it is off. Come on, somebody. You better know the Bible before you get into the battle and you better live the Bible and not use it as a weapon in the battle. Does that make sense? Praise God. Don't act super spiritual. Don't sulk. I'm a great sulker. I'm I'm about a one day sulker. Some of y'all are like a week sulkers. Y'all are week long. I'm I'm a one dayer. You know, it takes me a day. You know, my wife, she can, she can move right on. She's like, everything's fine. We're good. Mm, fine. You know how there's multiple definitions of fine. You're like, I'm fine, honey. That's one. Fine. I'm fine. That's a whole different definition, guys. It's like eight different definitions for fine. Don't sulk. Like as a pastor, when we get in a fight, I think my whole life's over because I'm the pastor. I'm like, I can't even go. I'm a pastor. It's over. I've lost my job. You know, it's like, like my whole career is tied to this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I can sulk, and she's like, baby, it's, suck it up, go listen to God, and get right. You know what I mean? I'm like, thank you, dear. Praise God. <laughs> don't sulk, right? Number five, don't threaten. Do not threaten with money, sex, or divorce. Don't threaten. Come on, don't use those abusive language, destructive language. It sits in the subconscious and breeds insecurity, and so there's no firm ground to build something on, and it just lurks there waiting to come up. So don't threaten. Don't condescend. Don't speak down. Oh, you think you're right. Dear, dear, dear. You're Mr. Right today. Know everything about Mr. Wrong. You know, don't, don't, don't condescend. Don't look down. And then seven, don't confuse the issue. Some of you guys and girls have a, the, the, the best memory. You can remember the barometric pressure on the outfit that you, when you, when you got engaged, the barometric pressure of that day, when you said, I do, or the last fight you had three years ago, you remember what the forecast was. Like, stop, stop going back. When you, a lot of times in conflict, when you're losing, you'll go back into the past to grab ammunition to try to drag it into the present to win. And so stop locking them into the past and dragging up stuff from the past to try to get them to, to lose in the present. I've got a bunch more stuff to give you. Let me, let me go real quick. I got a couple minutes with you. Uh, here's how to resolve conflict. Very, very, very important. Number one, bring Jesus into it. Yeah, amen. Y'all are, bring Jesus into it. I've given you a lot of thoughtful helps and some things you need to do with your own soul, but bring the Bible into it. Bring Jesus. You cannot walk in forgiveness, uh, walk out of bitterness, Walk into healing and reconciliation without Jesus. You need a new heart. You need transformation. You need to ask God for help. It's important. It says that we have not because we ask not in the Bible. Ask God, God, I don't know how to handle this. I need your help. Ephesians 2.16 says this way. He brought both groups together to God. Christ finished the fighting between them by his death on the cross. Let me say this to you. The feud in your life is over. It ended at the cross. And, and, and I promise you, Jamie might fight Sandra, but the Jesus in me is not going to fight the Jesus in her. 
Jesus is in her. Jesus is in me. And if we will get Jesus in it, he's not going to fight himself. And so we've got to fight for reconciliation. We've got to fight the main issues. And we don't need to fight each other. We need God in it. Number two, talk to God about the conflict. So bring Jesus in it. Get a new heart. Two, talk to him. God, my soul's messed up. I'm angry. I'm being open with you all today. I, I'm ang- I was angry. God, why? What's going on? Well, you were fearful, son. The three main things that that we need in our life, your spouse needs in their life, they need to be seen, they need to be soothed, and they need to be secure. And when those three things are broken in our life, seen, soothed, and secure, when they aren't there, there's something missing in your soul that you've got to go get with God and ask him, God, I need you to fill this spot. Jesus, I'm, I'm not being seen. I'm feeling secure here. Ask God to help. He can fill those spots. Pour out your heart to him. Get quiet. Quiet your soul. Let God fill the areas. Let me say this to you. Some of the most conflicts that happen in marriage is that you're looking to your spouse to meet all your needs. If, if you want them to meet, they are, they are not your functional Jesus. They're not. And if you're looking for them to meet all your needs, you'll never find God. I need God. I, I don't need my own Abilities. I don't need her to meet all my needs. I need God in the situation. And number three, very simply, yield to one another. Yield to each other, guys. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. Help me, Jesus. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. Yield to one another. The problem is we've got a bad definition of yield. We see a yellow light and we hit the gas, baby. Come on, we're speeding up. No cops are around. I'm flying through. Yield is a suggestion to me. I'm, I'm speeding up. Come on, you drive a Porsche. You know what I'm talking about. Like You're going through every yellow light. You've never stopped a yellow light in your whole entire life. <laughs> and that's what we take into our relationships. I'm not yielding. I'm going to figure out how to get through this. I'm going to hit the gas. I'm going to go faster. I'm going I'm to win at all costs. No, no, no. We need to slow down and discover that we can, we can, listen to me, we can walk hand in hand without always seeing eye to eye. We can walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. What I want to say to you today is don't give up. Don't quit. Stay in the ring. Your marriages can get healed and get better. If you're not married yet, begin to learn and apply these things. If you're going to get remarried, it's okay. If you're single again, that's okay. God's got grace. God's got blessing. And God's given you the ability to do it right the next time and to learn and to grow and to heal. I want to pray for your marriages. I want to pray for our relationships. And I want to pray for you today. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we're going to wrestle, that we're going to, we're going to have conflict. Lord, conflict is okay. It's part of life. Thank you that we're going to handle the tension of tuning up in a healthy way. God, I pray today that you would Just apply your word to our hearts. Apply it to my life. Let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. God, when it comes to marriage and relationships, I just ask you supernaturally today to help couples do conflict better, to help us help relationships do conflict better. That, Lord, we can look at conflict as a gift, that it's actually a pathway to connection. And I pray that individuals that leave here today deeply connected more than they ever have been in their life, that they would even go home this week and be able to quiet their soul and talk to one another, maybe for the first time, and maybe they don't feel all the emotions and all the passion right now, and some things that might be dead, oh God, but you can bring it back to life. I pray someone would even have the courage to come to XO Conference this weekend that might be hesitant, Lord. 
I pray this week, Lord, that you would heal. We rebuke every attack of the devil today that would try to come into our homes or our minds or continue to reinforce division or, or fights, oh God. We pray that you would just secure us with the full armor of God today in our relationships. I pray for a strong, healthy church with strong, healthy relationships. No one looking around just for another second. Maybe you're in here and you'd say, you know what, pastor, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not going to embarrass you or stand you up or bring you up to the altar, but I'm just going to ask you in a second to put your hand up to me. If you'd say, I, 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 don't, I don't know Jesus. I've never really surrendered my life to him. He's not in, in my life. I, I'm ready to surrender. Maybe you went to church years ago and Maybe you walked with God and you're away from him and you know you need a fresh start with God. Today's your day. Maybe you need healing in areas that you couldn't do on your own and you know that God is the answer to that. No one looking around, just for a second. The Bible says if you would give your life to Jesus, you get a fresh start with God. Would you just put your hand up to me? Pastor, pray for me. I need a fresh start. Anybody in here? I need a fresh start with God. God bless you. Just put it up high so I can pray for you. If you're online and you're watching today, just let us know right there in the chat. Just type in fresh start. We wanna pray with you. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you know today's the day you need a fresh start, let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for giving us your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross to settle all conflict, to make us one with a heavenly father, to settle the conflict and the separation that sin brought into our life. I pray that you remove all sin, shame, guilt. Thank you for nailing it to that tree. Thank you for coming back to life and raising from the dead to give us a brand new heart, a brand new fresh start. Fill us with your spirit today. We give you all the glory and the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God praise this morning. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.